Hello, Bonesai friends. This is Evan Pardue of Underhill Bonesai, and welcome to episode 35 of Little Things for Bonesai People, the podcast. And this time I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Carmen Leskovienski. How's it going today? Good. I'm tired. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Got a lot going on. Uh, it's really, really hot here. I'm sure it's mm. hot where you're at, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, I'm not tired. I do notice that the number of times that that we open this up, you say you're tired probably 90% of the time. I'm I'm pretty tired. I think it's a chronic problem. (laughs) Well, I mean, we're all chronically tired. I mean, we're inevitably going to go to sleep. So there's that. But also, um, but yeah, you, you, I normally talk to you towards the end of your, uh, your day there at the, the garden too. So. Well, yeah, but it's evening for you, so you should be more tired than I am. Ah, the Louisiana, the, the sun here, the Louisiana sun is so bright and so brutal that, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't even give me time to feel tired. Like, I feel, exa- terrible. I feel exhausted, but I'm alert, like something's mm-hmm. about to happen. That's uh-huh. how I feel all the time here. But uh, <laughs> I don't but, like that. I don't think I could deal with that. <laughs> yeah, Louisiana is very alarming. There's a lot of things to, to look out for, and it's just so bright, you can't even see anything. But uh, but yeah, today uh, me and Carmen will be talking about a couple of things. We got uh, a listener question to kind of get into a little bit, uh, revisiting a topic, and then uh, we're going to talk about starting new material for bonsai. I know we've talked about this topic lightly. We've kind of bounced back and forth on some of these things, but I want to talk about specifically for um, the cutting challenge that I presented to our Discord. Uh, Speaking of which, our podcast is sponsored by our amazing patrons over on Patreon.com. We call them our Bonsai Best Buds. Uh, Starting off the list with Tori Solis, Warehouse Rat, Boyd Snellgrove, Ricky Ruins, Joshua Bentley, Snappy Chappers, Ryan Giordano, uh, Joel Jenkins, Justin Knight, Backyard, Bonsai Australia, The Ladies at the Flower Market, Taylor Peacock, Chase Portit, Portweet, uh, Vicky Auth, Austin Atkins, and a new bonsai best bud, Karen Codswell. Woo. How's it going, Karen? Thank you so much for joining our amazing roster of bonsai best buds. I know all of our best buds have the best intentions to help us grow the show. Everything helps. Everything counts. Uh, helps us give you guys a better, better quality show. Uh, and, you know, We'll try our best to uh, come up with some really good content and also, uh, I think, some future video content we've been talking about. That's a little bit down the road, but we're brewing some stuff up, so you guys just wait. Um, So thank you guys for being Bonsai Best Buds. I also need to mention uh, our editor, Matt, really quick. I failed to mention him a few times in some previous episodes. I apologize, Matt. Uh, Matt O'Donnell, been pronouncing his his name wrong for uh, for quite a few episodes, so we'll clear that up, too. Uh, it's M A T T D O. Wait, I forgot the sorry. O. Yep, there you go. M A T T O D O N N E L L dot com. Let me make sure that I got that right too. Hey, Matt. Woo. Yep. Go over to Matt's website. I got it right. Uh, Matt O'Donnell.com. Check out his stuff. He's awesome. Bass player based out of Nashville, Tennessee. It's our, our episodes and our podcast makes us sound great, makes me sound really, really smart, even though I mispronounce words all the time. 
And uh, he also can help you edit your own podcast if you have a project you would like to get into. He's also an audio engineer. You got a band, you got some music you want to do, you can do that too. He's got a uh, a uh, get in touch, click it on his website, fill out his contact form, and you guys can start talking. He's a really nice guy. And uh, yeah. So um, yeah, let's talk about the listener question that we had. Okay, um, I'm going to read it off. It was from uh, Taylor Peacock, one of our Boneside Best Buds. Uh, he says, hey, guys, just a listener question I thought of tonight while revisiting an older episode. Uh, thanks for listening to a backlog of episodes, by the way. If uh, anyone is aware, uh, you can listen to the earlier episodes. If you're is if, if this is your first episode, please go back and check out our earlier ones. We've got some cool episodes. Uh, but anyway, says, to our episode more than once. Wow. Oh, yeah. He's just going back and backlogging. That's uh, commitment. We need, like, thanks, we need to make like a, th- a thesaurus of our uh, our show. Is that the right word? No. Oh crap! What's that called? Whenever it's like, is it a bibliography? Bibliography. Yeah, there you go. Like a table of contents or appendices or an index, an index. Yeah, something like that. Thesaurus is the one that has the the synonyms and the antonyms. Yeah, it's like the the words that are the same. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Great. Okay. So anyway, I will make an episode where I just do an index and I just sit there and just list off all the topics and all the episode list that, that you can go to. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, so he, he, we go on to uh, read more Taylor's uh, question here. In the Clip and Grow episode versus Wire episode, Mike touched on how he was taught to do Clip and Grow, in particular regarding healing wounds. He mentioned cutting back to two internodes, looking for buds at 10 and 2 cleaning out the the quote-unquote middle area, and then cutting back again. What Would it be possible for Mike to touch back again on this a little bit deeper? What does he mean by cleaning the area between the two branches and waiting for them to close the wound on each side? So I can speak for Mike on this one because me and Mike have gone back and forth on this. Uh, this is part of his, um, basically his, primary branch development techniques that he's done, especially on Shohin, on very fast-growing species, uh, such as sea hibiscus and uh, primna and ficus and, and all the other various, very vigorous, very uh, quick. Uh, he just lets them run out, and then he'll cut back. And and when he, what he means by 10 and 2 is literally like hands of the clock. So you're looking for 10 and 2, which is your branches that are not parallel to each other but they're more they're facing towards the viewer more for your branch one and two that's what he's referring to there um and then the middle area is uh just kind of talks about that i mean he could he could mean a number of couple of different things there but i'm assuming that that middle area conversation was probably has to pertain to like cleaning up uh like previously cut back to internodes so Let's say he blew out a branch just to get it to a certain thickness for his first branch. And if we're looking at bud launch, and then we're looking at the first like inch of that tree. Uh, if you're working with a trident maple, this is a really good one. This is trident maples are one of my favorite examples to uh, to talk about bud launch and this cutting back. So, and I'm sure you could uh, add on. That's why I brought up trident maples because I'm sure you can add on too, Carmen, about trident maples mm-hmm. because the way that they grow, they grow. Uh, within the first inch or so, you'll you'll have your really good nodes, the mm-hmm. shorter ones, and then you'll have your launch, and then your node spaces will increase. 
right? Yeah. And then as it grows out, you're going to get it to the thickness you want. And then it, and whenever it hardens off and you're ready to cut it back, whether it be still in that same season in that spring, because I mean, trident maples grow pretty fast. You can develop branches pretty quickly and get good thickness on them. But when you chop it back, you have to leave a nub. And so what's going to happen because trident maples are also a great example because they're, they're opposite. They're not uh, alternating. Oppositely, opposite means that there's a bud on, on either side of that branch that's going to launch. It's going to do its next uh, inner node. So you're going to get that. It's going to come out. And that middle area that, that Mike is talking about is that nub. So once, that, once those uh, buds launch and they start elongating, in order to get that wound to heal properly, you need to clean that nub space out correctly and give it that curve into those two no those two new uh young branches that are grow or no sh new shoots that are coming out so as they elongate they'll heal that wound and he's saying heal the wounds on the branch as you go because i've seen a lot of people cut a branch back really hard and they'll grow out a branch and they're like oh wait i'm ready to chop this back already and they didn't heal that first cut you know mm -hmm. what i'm talking about mm -hmm. um so it's it's hard to explain because cleaning that middle area out sounds like a little weird uh, but it's just talking about that transition. You're trying to clean that transition cut up into the into the ramification. Uh, do mm. you have anything to put on that, Carmen? Um, yeah, I think we'll often leave stubs, especially on something like um, Japanese maple, um, azalea, that kind of thing, because they tend to die back a little bit when you cut them. And then, yeah, going back and cleaning out those nubs, um, is really important because it is a lot harder to go back and do it later. Um, and I'm actually in the process right now of doing a lot of stub cleanup on maples that, you know, we left for a year or, you know, maybe longer, we didn't keep up with it. And so now I'm having to go back and heal these larger wounds, um, which is, you know, kind of getting in the way of, of where we can prune for development because we we can't cut off everything we want to because we have to help heal some of these wounds that you know we didn't take care of at the time so um cleaning as you go is really really helpful in order to you know not have to slow yourself down later mm -hmm. um and part of it too is like i've gotten the question in the past as to why you would cut to a nub as opposed mm -hmm. to cutting back further. And so I have I have my answer for that. I want to kind of hear yours first and then polish mine based off yours. I'm, oh, no, I'm I don't joking. know that mine's going to be any better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I just, I know some of those species tend to die back. So if you cut it really short, you can die back into the growth that you want to keep. Um, so leaving that, you know gives you that bit of kind of you know a little bit of leeway mm -hmm. um and provide some safety for you know the the branches that you're trying to grow out in place of that yeah um there's like azaleas could have that issue right if you cut back mm -hmm. too hard too soon like you yep. mentioned a little Japanese while ago maple, azalea yeah you can get some dieback further into the branch um but then some species you, you nub them and then there's a bud right there on a slither of, of cambium that you mm -hmm. cut back to and it just comes right off the top 
Yeah. Um, trees that do that, that I'm familiar with, uh, bald cypresses. Um, I mean, that's one of the trees you cut back and then bud will just come right at the top of the chop where you cut it or where you cut the nub back to. Uh, but you're not, you're not fortunate in that case all the time. Usually shrubbing plants. I feel like with shrubbing plants, like hollies and stuff, that's also a, a, a thing that happens with them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, just anything that has like a brittle wood to it as well. Something that's, you know, Japanese maples also need to be stubbed. Um, mm-hmm. like you had mentioned earlier, because I've had instances where I've cut a Japanese maple, maple back hard and then it'll bleed out, especially if it's mm-hmm. cut at the wrong time of the year. Yeah. And yeah. The, that's the other tricky thing is cutting at the right time of year. Mm-hmm. For sure. But not all of them, not all species need to be cut at certain times of the year, but right. it's to a greater benefit that you just go ahead and just do all of them that time. Um, so I hope that kind of clears up that question a little bit. I know there's like little technical things that that uh, Mike has men- mentioned in the cut and grow versus wire out episode. Uh, that was a very, very technical episode as it was um, talking about blowing out branches and cutting back and then wiring only what you need to versus should you start ramification and start. I mean, uh, for for our listeners that are just now getting into this this episode, um can't remember what episode that that which one that is. Um, let me look it up really quick. Just just so y'all have some reference. We do need an index. We 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 need some kind of index. But what's great is that it's all there. Uh, that was early. That was episode fourteen. So oh wow. Yeah, if you go back and listen to that, that was a really that was a really good episode. Um, I had a lot of fun with that one, and we will revisit some of these topics in the future just to kind of rehash them as well mm-hmm. i mean talk about other nuances because little little things like this come up and that's a great opportunity to discuss some of these nuances because when you're trying to think of a topic and cover everything about that topic you know you never can there's always going to be that question and the answer is always it depends so having these specific yeah. questions can be so helpful to help explain different things yeah little things pop up the little things yeah little things um so Let's talk about um, starting new material and in, in okay. reference to the uh, how to begin new material. And I know there's there was a thing about how to select material for from like nursery stock that we talked about, how to deal with, with material that was Yamadori uh, collected material. But we're, we're, I don't want to revisit those conversations. I want to kind of uh, my dog is still going. Willow, cut it out. Um, my cat's dreaming and making weird noises behind me. So. <laughs> um, interruption. I, my blue healer is just a really noisy animal. She has to always be making noise. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, the um, the method of, of that I'm talking about is going to be the just really straightforward start from nothing from basically a cutting. Um, and the pros and cons of like cutting versus seedling as well. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's a really interesting topic that could just go for multiple hours as well as one of those topics we can always come back to. Um, but also in reference to our, our Patreon, if you become a Boneside Best best Bud, you get to drop into our Discord, which is uh, very active. We had really awesome conversation going on in there. A lot of good sharing of uh, material and trees. And I even saw a little a little uh, cute snake, a little white snake. Somebody um, has a snake. 
Yeah. It's very cute. Um, that was, uh, let's see. It's Tori's snake. Tori Solis. Her, her uh, snake's name is uh, Fushili. <laughs> so it's a cute name for a snake. Sleeping, sleeping in sphagnum moss. I love yeah. it. Yeah, that was cool. Um, so, and... so tell everybody what this cutting challenge is. So, yeah. So for cuttings, uh, we, we talked to our Discord and you don't have to be part of our Discord to do this, but I think this is an interesting challenge for everyone. And if you are part of the Discord, you can share your results and your progress. But um, but anyway, so taking a cutting and developing a a shohin or something a little bit bigger than a shohin in and roughly a I would say you could develop a decent little tree within a three to five year period. I know that's that doesn't sound very long, but I've seen Mike develop knockout Shohin in like less than a year. So well, it's totally he lives doable. In Florida, so yeah, things are a lot more flexible for him. <laughs> but if we're using quick species and we're using uh good application of techniques at the right time, we can get some really good gnarly results really fast. Um so so don't don't think that this is a quick bonsai challenge. We're not trying to quickly create bonsai so we can just make like a little bonsai factory. Um, but they I mean, that's something they do in Japan. I mean, they do produce a lot of material with this method that we'll talk about um, and and with the, the, the technique and the challenge that I'm presenting. Um, and so you can either start with cutting. Or you can cut or you can start with a seedling. So. The two different let's, things, yeah. What's that? Yeah, I was just gonna say, let's talk. What's the what's the difference between cutting versus seedling? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, cuttings and seedlings. Uh, pros and cons with each of these is that from a cutting, the pro pros are that like you know exactly what you're getting. So mm -hmm. if you take a cutting off of a tree that you like, um, I'll give you guys some examples of trees that I really enjoy taking cuttings from that I know I can make into something interesting is a uh, Primna japonica, which mm -hmm. I've I've given you some of those and they're yep. it's a wonderful little little tree. It's a mm -hmm. smelly very musk stinky. maple. It has a stinky maple. Um deciduous, uh very very vigorous, uh nice little deciduous tree. Uh trident maples, it's another deciduous tree that grows really good in my range. Um mm -hmm. sea hibiscus, those are almost like instant take on their cuttings uh portulacaria afra the dwarf jade mm -hmm. it's almost impossible to fail taking cuttings on those and those guys are probably one of the easier ones for this challenge um yeah. just anything that readily roots things that you don't want to do so the cons for for rooting these kind of things would be like the struggle would be if you're a japanese maple enth enthusiast starting a japanese maple from cutting is like much more it's exponentially more difficult than any of the other species i just listed um and i don't know if you were aware of that carmen um because at the nursery we have nearly 100 percent take on like elms and tropicals mm -hmm. and and some like the trident maple and the musk maple and all that yeah but the japanese maple is at a like 50 percent and even less sometimes mm -hmm. um so not all of your not all of your trees are going to be suitable for this and yeah. I know um, up at the garden where you're at, you guys take a lot of um, chojubai. We do a lot of chojubai. We do chojubai. I have a bunch of trident cuttings. Uh, Satsuki azalea are great, too. Um, mm -hmm. 
anything that you're cutting off, you know, this is the time of year to prune your, your azaleas. So anything you cut off, you can just stick. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so what you're getting there is a, something that's genetically identical to the tree that it's coming from. Whereas with the seedling, you know, the genetics are going to be different from the parent plant because it's hybridized with, you know, something else. It's a cross between two plants. So your genetics, you're not, you don't necessarily know what exactly you're going to get. Um, mm. Ex- so. Yeah, true. And I mean, I've even seen it in like, uh, like bald cypresses will pop up with seedlings here and mm-hmm. that tree could be anything uh, because of the genetic variants. And especially in trees that there's no, there are not any cultivars in that people really don't care to do that with. Uh, there could be so much variance in those that um, can, can you think of any trees? I, I say that a lot about some of the trees that we deal with, with the variants in their, their, their like DNA makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, bald cypress is the only one that I really mention about that. I, I think every once in a while I'll get elms or, or crepe myrtles and Japanese maples will spring up uh, mm-hmm. by coincidence. Is there anything else you can think of? Um, I've had a lot of cedars pop up in the yard. Um, okay. So like weeded out the common, but, like local, like the, is that the Western? Uh, no, it's the, it's the, um, it's one of the others. It's like, a, it's not a true cedar. I don't know what it is. I think it's the neighbor's tree that mm. kind of hangs over the garden. It just drops seeds in the yard. Cause I don't know what else it would be. Cause we don't let any, cause none of ours, uh usually have cones so i think it's just these just these random little i just pulled a bunch of them today and then a lot of um yeah a lot of maple seedlings like end up pulling um yeah and they some plants can also like they don't need other trees nearby necessarily right Mm -hmm. some are self-pollinated and others are but even so the genetics are going to vary So there's even differences in self-pollinating plants. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that either. Yep. Um, and I mean, y'all, y'all leave it up to Carmen because she is the she's the actual like educated horticulturist <laughs> here uh, with the degree. So if I if I say anything weird like that, it's because sometimes I'm surprised and I just don't have the basics of that stuff. Sometimes, um, yeah. you know, but plants are plants and plants are weird. Um, but yeah. Weird. But then, so you're cutting versus your seedling. So you might struggle with getting roots on a cutting. But like mm-hmm. you'd mentioned, Carmen, that's time. It's a good time to take root, uh, to take cuttings now, uh, yeah. because a lot of the stuff is hardened off. We're going into summer dormancy in the hottest parts of the country. Um, I know some parts of the world because I have to be a little bit. We have to be a little bit more globally uh, mindful now about who we talked to because I just talked to uh, Nick Rosman on the last episode and he's in uh, Slovenia, which is drastically different. I know we have listeners mm. in Australia and the UK and China and South America and all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, so we have to, kind of, there. and so, yeah, like over in Australia, for instance, it's winter it, time. It's winter right now. Yeah. So don't, don't take cuttings right now. <laughs> so, uh, but if you happen to stumble across this episode when it's warm, then yeah. It might be relevant then go for it. Yeah. So, um, but I have, we have to keep in mind now that um, our, our episodes are weekly, but also we'll say things that are within the time that I'm thinking about it too. But yeah. uh, So if make it a little bit easier, so you can take cuttings at the time of Greenwood all the way to hardened off like older 
shoots. But uh, you can have success with a few other pieces, right? So cuttings on larger, like larger cuttings on different plants, certain types of trees will take. Mm -hmm. So um, I know personally that like a portulacary carry aphid, like, like a dwarf jade, you could, you could cut the root system, like the whole trunk off of it and like have like a two inch or three inch trunk and put it in the soil and it'll make new roots. I mean, that's just the way those things are. They're phenomenal. And I would mm -hmm. never discount portulacary carry because how tough and crazy they are. Um, but you can do the same thing with like a trident maple or a, or a um, Chinese elm in some instances. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's a little bit more tricky um, to take, you know, a, a really thick cutting. cutting. In those cases, I would I would generally recommend an air layer, but um, mm -hmm. or a ground layer, just because you're going to have better success. You don't have to have you know a greenhouse or a mist system set up for that. Um, but yeah, there are some where you can just you know if you have the right environment, you can just essentially cut them off their roots and regrow them. Yeah. I've done that on accident to a Chinese on one time. Um, yeah, I was, I was repotting it and I had, I was early on in my bonsai journey and I didn't realize that the way that the, the, uh, the tree had grown, it's, it was like more like serpentine, like a, mm. like a, like a serpent, like through the soil. So it went, it went down and it came back up. Mm -hmm. And then the oh. end of it, there was an end that went down and that's where all the roots were. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I was just going through the motions of like being like, I'm repotting a bonsai tree. So I start cutting and, and I'm like, this is where, this is where the main trunk is. And I go take my saw and I cut this, this part of this root that I assume that is like, I'm going to get this into a shallow pot. And I didn't account for the the fact that running roots on elm trees are so intense that like you have to really dig in there and find out what's going on because i cut it mm -hmm. and as soon as I, I cut that root the whole thing came away and i was just holding like essentially it was just a stick in my hand um and it was it was not a tree anymore it was just a limb you know uh -oh. um so i was i was kind of frustrated but you know whatever it was it was a three inch thick tree at this point wow. and uh and so I was like, you know what, whatever. I mean, I, I barely had enough trees at that time to be like, I'm just going to get rid of this one. Like it was still special to me. So I stuck it in the soil and it rooted. Like That's it was a amazing. gigantic cutting. I was like, oh, okay. Well, and that taught me a weird lesson. <laughs> like, yeah. If you mess up, you just, um, just do something trying. weird. Yeah. Try to try again in a weird way. And it works. Try it anyway. Yep. So, yeah. So once we strike our cuttings, our cuttings are for sure ways to know that we're going to have good roots on our trees. And that's because when you take a cutting, they're going, you're going to have most of the time, you're going to have equally radial roots all the way around, right? Because your wound site is the entirety of the bottom of that, that cutting. But you will run into cases where one side will grow faster than the other and that might be from the soil content you're using or the way you watered it or um your misting system that carmen had mentioned earlier uh uh that would be actually a good thing to kind of touch on a little bit what do you mean by misting system when it comes to taking cuttings oh so um you can get systems that are either on a timer or something like an electronic leaf that's um uh activated by um how much water is left on it and so what these do is when you take cuttings you know the, the plants don't have roots they just have leaves 
And so they need to be in a more humid environment. So being in a, a uh, so having a mist system um, that goes off, you know, at regular intervals will keep the humidity up, uh, keep the plants hydrated while they are putting out roots. And that way you don't have to continuously spray them down with the spray bottle, spray them with your hose. You know, you can kind of walk away from them and just let the, the system um, do its thing. Uh, and you'll you'll usually get less loss with your cuttings uh, because they're in an environment that really supports them as they're getting uh, new roots. Do you, uh, with the misting system like that, do you need to go in and water them like you regularly would, or the misting system kind of takes care of it for you? Usually it does most of the watering. It depends what, what you're putting them in. Um, probably the best thing to start cuttings with a mist system is either um i really like perlite for this uh you can use pumice you can use regular soil but it tends to get a little bit more waterlogged um so you want something really really well draining uh while you're doing this and occasionally depending on how big the cuttings are how many roots they have on them um once i do get roots on them uh usually i'll go through and water them periodically just to make sure that you know they're wet all the way through the soil um, but generally, especially in the beginning, the, uh, the mist system takes care of most of the, the water for you. Yeah. And, uh, and it kind of helps with like moisture loss through the leaves too. Exactly. It's really a big yeah. thing. Um, yeah. and so the, oh, Willow, get down the, um, the electric leaf, if you guys mm -hmm. are not aware of what those are, if you guys want to start doing this, this challenge, you really want to get technical with it. Or maybe you have a greenhouse and you have a misting system set up where you can go into this because I mean it's not out of the out of the out of the usual that or it's not unusual that I talk to people who are getting into bonsai. They also have done things like work with orchids or uh, foliage plants or other various types of plants that they get into and they have these things set up. The electric leaf you can go, go Google it. It's a it's a real thing. Um, it's this little box that you set in your, your greenhouse or your mist house, and it's got a hair trigger on it. So that means that, that you adjust it to where it's got just enough weight of the mist on it that it weighs down. But as soon as that, that mist evaporates, that hair trigger comes up and switches on the mist and the mist will gather onto that hair trigger, uh, lever, which is a pretty broad, uh, piece of metal for, uh, for a lever. And when, to get, when there's just enough moisture on there, it weights just enough, it's like the butterfly effect of like the butterfly landing on a branch and moving it. And then uh, and then it causes an earthquake in China or whatever. Uh, I'm just joking. Uh, but yeah, no, the, it's just that little tiny bit of of that leverage will turn that misting off. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so that's a great way to start making cuttings, especially on difficult species. Um mm -hmm. And so, you know, like, uh, that's, that's one of the better way, but for cutting, I mean, for, for seedlings though, this could be a little bit of a challenge here because we already talked about the genetic differences. And I know a lot of people, uh, that might be listening to this for the first time or get their first bonsai and they're just like, what do I do? Or they get one of the most remarkable things. And one of the most like consumerism, capitalism things I've ever seen for bonsai is bonsai starter kits that come with seeds and oh my god and a little wad of like sphagnum moss to put it in and grow it out. And uh, oh, yeah, you get 
me start it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those are one of the things that that frustrate me the most. Uh, And that's it's super unfortunate. I mean, they're I mean, they're not if you want to turn somebody off of Bonsai really fast, get get them them a Bonsai starter kit as like a birthday present or like Uh. a Or just like a get well present. I gotta like, get one of those and then like actually grow one from a seed. Like that's that's one of my goals. I gotta I gotta do the bonsai kit and make it successful. And these bonsai kits are available in like I you know what's funny, I've seen them a lot in like Books a Million and Barnes mm-hmm. and Noble. Yeah. Um <laughs> what really grinds my gears is when a botanical garden sells them. Ah uh, yeah. Oh, I ah. I don't usually go looking for them. But when I see them, I'm like, oh. And I get a lot of people coming to the nursery asking me. They're like, hey, so I got this bonsai starter kit. And I'm oh, like, um, and it's it's always like this thing. It's like, is it a tree? Is it a plant in a container that's, that is that is living or is it a seed? Because if it's seeds, I'm sorry. Throw them in the garbage. Ask for your money back. Yeah, especially, yeah. But be weary of seed starter kits. I'm just saying that for our listeners out there or anybody else that's getting a bone sign listening this first time. Um, like most of the time, those those seeds sit in the store in those boxes for God knows how long. And the seeds might even be gone. They may they might just be useless at that point. I know mm-hmm. some seeds can last. They have a really long like stratification could last for a long time and. Some things, something could go right and you could grow, the seed will come out. The seedling will come out and start mm-hmm. thriving. Um, but a lot of special things have to happen for a seedling to grow. Um, and I feel like your holder cultural background can describe it better than my rudimentary description of it. But um, <laughs> but uh, you don't just start growing a seedling in your window mm-hmm. like like it says you should do on the, the starter kit, unfortunately. Right. Um but you have to be conscientious of what species it is and its zone and your range and mm-hmm. what you're able to provide for it. Um, Absolutely. Because I've seen them like, I'll just name off a few of the ones that I've seen. I'm seeing like, I've seen Japanese maple, which mm-hmm. maple seeds do not last long. Mm-hmm. They're, they're quick and they die quick. Um, I've seen cedar seeds. I don't know how successful that would be. Um, I have no idea. Yeah. Like I've seen cedar, like alpine species here and people will get that and I'll be like, that's not even going to like, it won't even wake up. Like mm. that needs like a cold dormancy to even activate it. Right. Um, so, and you could put it in your freezer and you could do all that. But I think the bottom line, if you're going to start with new material to do something like this, guys, is probably just take a cutting on something, you know, mm-hmm. um, or if you're going to start with a seedling, just buy a seedling from a nursery or pick it up from your yard don't try to start a seed unless you know what you're doing then by all means go for it but <laughs> yeah if you if you have the background and you are a you know a nursery man and you know propagation techniques and you're good at growing stuff like that go ahead hell yeah um go uh people will take a lot of pride in starting their their bone size straight from a seed and um just know that this process is not for i'm gonna go ahead and just come out and say it it's not for you um unfortunately what we're gonna what we're kind of talking about here is starting trees so young unless you're making a show hen and you're trying to make a like a like a good show hen 
within the time period that we're discussing, if you're growing a bigger tree and you're starting from cutting or from from seed, you're making bonsai for the next generation. Mm-hmm. So just be conscientious about that. Now you could grow a nice tree in your lifetime, but at the same time, you could grow that tr- you could grow a nice tree in three to five years, but it won't become a mochakome fine bonsai until decades down the line. Um, even if if you especially if you can grow it for that long and be that successful with your cuts and your and healing your wounds properly, um, that's another really big key factor in this in this whole project. Um, so I think everyone like at all levels should be doing this. They, you should have, you know, like I've got my, my specimen garden. Carmen's got the, the garden she's working with and also the collection at the college. Um, but we're both growing stuff from seed and from cuttings. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's an enrichment for you. And all the other people out there that do that, uh, that practice bonsai, it's an enrich, it's enrichment to grow that from seed and understand the principles. Now, uh, now I'm going to say something else too, is that you don't want to grow all of your stuff from cuttings and seedlings, because then you're going to be sitting there looking at these cutting and seedlings for a very long time. And be, you're going to be wanting to practice bonsai and you're not going to have bonsai to work on. Um, that's, that's kind of one, one of the, the honest truths here. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, that's whenever it comes into play, like go find a really nice, uh, bonsai nursery or a vendor and get yourself some trees that work on more technical or more developed trees or whatever you want to, whatever you can afford. But the seedling, the seedling process and the cutting process process is a lot more drawn out. Uh, as drawn out as my explanation. I know I'm really going into this, but I wanted to, I want to set the tone and set the rules. You know, this is a slow burn challenge, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, how how you feeling so far, Carmen? You ready to grow stuff from, from cuttings? I'm feeling great. I have yeah. some cuttings. Do I have to start with a cutting that I'm taking right now that doesn't have roots on it? Or can I start with something that I started last year that has roots on it? Hmm. I have to start fresh, don't I? Let's say this cutting challenge uh-huh. Is in within this year. Okay. So anything that you struck this year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah. I have something. Yeah. Um, and let's not just do one. Let's do like 10. 10. Okay. I yeah. will make 10 cuttings. Do they yeah. have to all be the same species? Mm, I would, I would suggest that they all don't be the same species. I would Ooh. say double up on some. Okay. So. Or if you prefer a certain species over another. Maybe um, I'll do some I'll do some tridents and I'll do some azalea. Yeah. Tridents right. and azaleas for for you. I started a fresh batch of Prima uh Japonica and also um I mean I have a nursery, so I've got a lot of other stuff going on, but I have this I have a, a whole, nursery. So I, I, I have like whatever I want. Yeah. I've got a <laughs> billion plants and my my brain is like, is I'm having a, a crisis of how many plants I have to deal with. No, um, mm-hmm. but the um, the Desmodium, the 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 bluebell, mm-hmm. the Vinmes mm-hmm. bluebell. We have we probably got about a hundred of those, and I'll pull I'll pull a handful of them to uh, maybe like two of them uh, to do like the progression on those because those make really lovely 
uh, twisted trunk and really like nice, curvy, just, you know, very feminine style trees. So those would be mm-hmm. a lot of fun to do that with. Uh, so I'm doing, personally, I'm doing Trident Maples, Primitive mm-hmm. Japonica, uh, Vietnamese Bluebell. Uh, so I'm going to do two, let's say I'll do three of each. Uh, so I'm, I'll have nine and round it out with like another, um, like round it out with one extra. Let, let's just do a, let's just do an oddball one. Like I'll just do like, a, um, let's see. Can we do Not conifers? The... Sorry, I interrupted you. I'm do doing, just do an elm, do an elm. Do an no, elm. I'm, I'm doing a conifer. Actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. I stuck, I struck a cutting of a shimpaku. Hmm. Like I think last year, that's you have to start over. <sighs> that's not this year. But also, chimpakus are much slower growing than other species. This is well to get a root on it. Once they're growing, growing, you can kumquat. I'll just do a kumquat. Oh, there I you go. Up, I made up my mind. I have a funny um, story about junipers. I know this person who had a bunch of juniper cuttings like like garbage bags full and they stuck like a whole garbage bags full worth of juniper cuttings and then they were just kind of tired of it so they put the other garbage bag full of juniper cuttings just like in their garage over the winter mm-hmm. and they went back like i don't know months later and they're like i'm sure these are all just rotten whatever blah 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 open up the garbage bag and they all had roots on them so that's, that's awesome. the garbage bag method of rooting junipers um i haven't tried it but mm-hmm. That's so awesome. Okay. I know. Uh, garbage bag challenge. Go take there a bunch of cuttings on your favorite tree and put it in your garage <laughs> over the winter. I guess like after they, they took them, they sealed them up. I think you just, yeah, you just like tied the garbage bag closed. and but, but I mean, Portland winters are like perfect refrigerator temperature for something like that. To, I'm going to try that though. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Too. Don't... Um, don't commit all your cuttings to the garbage bag challenge. Yes, uh, don't do that. <laughs> That's much less likely to work, and you have to wait till the winter, and we it's, don't have time for that. It's so goofy. But anyway, yeah, so um, so yeah, we got our cuttings. I've, I've got some cuttings that I've taken this year, so we can go in and start work. So the next thing you're going to do with all your cuttings um, is apply wire to them. I know it sounds super exciting, but... Um, they're they're you viable that within the same year that they're that yes. they've just started rooting. Yes. Ooh, Louisiana is different. Louisiana is different. Um now now you you're saying that like you're are you thinking about doing crazy stuff to these cuttings on that first year that you have roots on them? Uh no, I well, I don't know that I can get enough roots to have it to make it worth wiring in a year. I mean, maybe if I can get enough roots by the fall, I can throw wire on it over the winter. But that that's a good thing. That's a good thing to kind of look at because especially on deciduous trees and you can work on you work on conifers during like the cold months anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's a good time frame. Uh, there, that is a good point. I live in a subtropical range, so my uh, so... cuttings take faster. Sorry. Um, it's fine. What but uh, no, like if you can get good crazy strong roots on your cuttings early and you're in my range or Mike's range or something like that, you could get that wire on there as fast as you can. Like don't do it really fast, but like take your time and apply the wire. Uh, the wire Put should be the first season that you have roots strong enough to, for the tree to hold a wire. Yeah, don't do it as fast as you can. 
Do it within the time frame that is soon that is soonest that you can apply the wire. So yeah. the wire should be roughly about the same size as the cutting. Yeah. Just gonna just gonna, you know, that's something that I've learned from a lot of just if you're using copper on these on this don't use don't use copper yeah don't do that um aluminum i was gonna say if you're using copper then one then you're not then you're disqualified use aluminum i don't know what your budget is on bonsai if you're using (laughs) copper for rudimentary things like wiring cuttings (laughs) uh i only use the finest copper for my (laughs) (laughs) and then i go inside and i eat off of uh silver platters with little tiny fork and knives and I don't know how fancy people eat. I'm just guessing. Um, sounds complicated. Yeah. It sounds like it takes a lot of time. There's uh, so many forks. <laughs> <laughs> After you set up all of your utensils to eat dinner, you might have enough time to wire cuttings with your most fanciest of copper wires that you have. Correct. Um, so yeah, use aluminum because aluminum's more affordable. What we're going to be doing is we're going to, some species that are faster we can actually wire that whole cutting and uh what would you say the the coil the coil uh like degree and spacing mm. should be in your opinion it depends <laughs> <laughs> it always depends <laughs> but no like because we were talking about this when i was over there with you guys uh mm-hmm. In the earlier the season, we, we, Michael was looking sure. at wiring, and he's like, "This is wire wiring for conifers." Yeah. So if you're, so generally speaking, on a more flexible tree, like a conifer, like on a juniper, you would have you know wider spacing, um, wider angles on your application. Where something that's a little bit more brittle, you might like an azalea, you might do a little bit closer together um and maybe a little bit sharper of an angle i mean really it's by 10 or 20 degrees it's it's not by very much um but with those more brittle trees you get a little bit more support you know if you're going a little bit closer together with a little bit tighter of a coil um so you're less likely to break your branch um but i mean just kind of i wouldn't i wouldn't overthink it i would just do you know kind of your standard 60-ish degree um coil yeah equally spaced apart you know just don't overthink it and you could approach this with that longer wider angle mm-hmm. because these cuttings will be flexible previously were sh- flexible young shoots yeah so so you should be able to get a lot more out of these and so the challenge here is now that you got good roots on your cutting and for most of you guys it'll probably be towards the end of the year t- towards the winter time We'll revisit mm-hmm. this in the winter and see how everybody's doing. <laughs> like, like I'm standing in front of a crowd. Uh, I've, I've been teaching uh, as well. So, uh, but yeah, you, so you're going to bend as much as you can within the first three or so inches of that, of that cutting. Yeah. That's going to be the most important part of your entire tree. Yeah. Um, Don't have it come straight out of the ground and then bend it. Try to get a bend right at that soil line and just keep bending it yeah the angle from which your your cutting emerges from the soil line should not be straight up and down yeah your movement should start right there unless you're trying to do something like uh, a broom yeah unless you're making a broom or a formal upright or 
or if you're trying to like grow stock out for cuttings, I mean, uh, for forest plantings and you need straighter trunks, usually whenever I'm looking for, for a tree with interest, uh, informal or, or a crazy trunk line or, um, something that I brought up when I was, uh, when I was giving a lecture the other day is line study shapes, not necessarily literati because everybody just goes to like, Oh, so the, the trunk line goes back and forth and side to side and around. And that's a literati. I'm like, no, that's not, you know, lines, line S-curve. study. Yeah. Um, don't, don't make S curves. Good luck. That's, that's another thing. It's, yeah. This kind of brings us back to the, that lesson that we were, you we were taking over, <laughs> over this past season too, is how do you bend and this is a good challenge. Uh, do you think we can use this 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 thing with the wire? Would that be appropriate? I think so. Yeah. I mean, would it be? A, yeah. I mean, we won't say that it's a, a trademarked technique or anything. Really not. <laughs> it's not. You could just go and just do it and do see it. what happens. So take a piece of wire. It can be any gauge. Uh, thicker, a little bit thicker so you can see it. So it's not like pencil thin. I mean, where, where it's not like uh, pencil lead and it's like your gauge one and it's flopping around everywhere. Uh, so you want like a two or a three and bend it and try to bend it in a way where you don't create S curves or a corkscrew or something predictable. Mm-hmm. And that's that's step. I think that should be step one because you don't even have to worry about breaking your cutting. Right. Yeah. If you try this on your cutting, you could break it pretty easily. So play around with a piece of wire first and and see if you can make something that's not an S. And remember, more movement isn't always better movement. Sometimes you just want something subtle. Maybe you want something big, then a real short movement, then a real big direction change, and then a long movement and a short, short, long, you know, like just mix it up. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Um, for those that are in our, our, uh, discord, go in and post, like drop pictures of your little wire challenge there. See if you can bend something in a way where we don't get that S repeated S curve. Cause that's one of the most defeating things that you can get in a bonsai is you get, you just get an S curve tree. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm going too far this direction. It's time to turn back the other way to bring it back over the top. And then you're like, wait, the crown of the tree can't just go like that. We'd make a giant C shape if I go that way. So I gotta go back the other way. And then suddenly you're you're in an S. So that's one thing to do. And once you kind of figure out your method of not creating that S, apply it to your cutting. Mm -hmm. Bend your cutting as many different directions. Don't don't bend, don't bend to the left and then bend to the right. Cause you're gonna just hit that S curve. And don't do straight line bends. Don't go a 90 degree straight bend in one direction. Think sweeping curves, think think uh, round, big sweeping curves, go into very, sh- like, especially when you get towards the end of your cutting where it's a little bit softer and more malleable, you can get more stuff out of that cutting. You can get it mm-hmm. really, really sharp bends in some parts. Um, and then you can also keep in mind, we're going to think about future cuttings. So if you're working with a plant that is, let's say you had a trident maple and you bench a trident maple up, and uh, FYI on Trident Maples, these things are from another planet. They're like from Mars or something because you can like break them. And if there's a slither of like cambium, it's still going to grow. So that's another technique that people don't realize with some species. is like you can actually break them as cuttings and they'll be fine. Yeah, like, that Premna that you broke is yeah. fine. Yeah, Premna japonica. 
Like mm-hmm. you, you, heard, you saw me. I was like all confident. I'm like, like this Correct. is how you do it, and Carmen. I was like, ah, and you're like, it's fine. Don't worry. And I was, like, I'm like, it's gonna live. And it's actually, fine. it's that, totally live. That's one of the ways you you make interest in a trunk or trees by breaking it. Sometimes I don't go out there and just break the tree in half. Some species like azaleas and uh, yeah, that's and, not gonna work. Yeah, azalea just break it and it's just it's over. Uh, be more gentle in your azalea cuttings, then I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. Some species like as long as you don't do a 90 degree bend. So I'm talking about like, like look at your finger and like bend your finger. And so when you do that, do not make a bend like that because that's going to cause what's called a kink. So you're going to kink the the cutting and you're going to get like an inverse taper at that crushed area where the where the um, where it's just gathered up. And you might and you'll be a lot more likely to like where your knuckle is. Trees don't bend like that. They don't have they don't have joints like we do. They just break so if you go like that it's the wrong way to think about it what you want to think about more is something that we can't do that trees are capable of is is thinking about like a pool noodle (laughs) (laughs) all all these like comparisons think about a pool noodle and think about yeah think about how like how wobbly inflatable flailing arm man or whatever yeah yeah think about your wacky inflatable inflatable flailing arm man and think about sweeping curves. Like if you could bend it without, you know, long curves with your pool noodle. <laughs> uh, but it, I mean, it's one of the ways I can think about it. Like, and then if you compress the pool noodle too much, it's going to it's going to crease. Plant the tree branch. This is this is a great episode. The tree branch or the the cutting will do the same thing. It will compress, and you'll more likely get a kink, and you'll get a break. Um, and what's something else you're going to start learning here as you start wiring these cuttings is you're going to learn how tedious this is and you're going to hate it. And you're not, this is not going to be the favorite thing that you've ever done. You're not going maybe, to have a great time doing this. Maybe <laughs> make 50 cuttings and 10 of them will end up in the challenge. Yeah. That's another thing too, is uh, I know that Mike's break been- break some pool noodles. Yeah. You'll break the pool noodles right in half. <laughs> uh, Mike has a show in class he's running and he told everybody to bring like 15 trees and even more if they can stand it. And then and they're like, oh, why would I do that? And then uh, I wish we'll get Mike on the next one because he'll be back back home uh, next week. But he's he's like, well, all right, everybody line your trees up and he just starts lopping them down to like three inch stubs. <laughs> and that's and that's kind of how it starts. You start out with yep. your cutting, grow it all the way out. You need to wire it, get that get that movement right at the first three inches. Because the mm-hmm. first three inches is the most important. Once you get past the first three inches, unless you're going to do the waste knot method, which is something I can mention a little bit, you can go in and make movement on the other part of that cutting coming out further. And then when you cut back and you stub that cutting back, like let's say you got to the point where you have gotten to a place where you're happy with the girth of the tree and it's starting to get to a certain point, you're ready to cut back and start developing sacrifice branches and and first branches and, and second branches to help increase the trunk size faster, which is something we'll get into next year with this challenge. Um, when you cut back, you can save the end of that that cutting and and take it again and strike another cutting with something with tighter bends, even even might even be better than the cutting it came off of. Mm-hmm. So that's that's like the waste knot method is like you're cutting off a branch. Some people air layer stuff off with cuttings. We're always cutting off. If it's got an interesting bend in it or something weird happened, strike it and start another tree. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's that's just the very, very beginning of it, honestly. Um, do you have anything to add to that, Carmen? 
No. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that kind of goes into it. Um, so I will go ahead so and say, oh yeah, go make ahead. a bunch of cuttings, get 10 of them that you wire out successfully. And mm -hmm. that will be your challenge. That will be the start of the challenge. Step, I know. Step one. I know this sounds silly to some that are like listening, especially if this is the, like the first episode you've listened to and you're like, what is this? What I thought, <laughs> yeah, I thought we were learning about bonsai. <laughs> no, uh, That's a great question. Yeah. Uh, who are these people? Good question. Uh, that that can segue us into uh, oh hey the next part of the Our show socials uh, yeah yeah awesome so uh, Carmen tell us about who you are and where to find your stuff who am I that's a wonderful question uh, my name's Carmen I am the current apprentice at Critagus Bonsai with Michael Hagedorn out in Portland Oregon um, and I'm the co-founder of the Purple Pot Society which is a international bonsai group for women founded by women. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. Um, my personal Instagram is becoming bonsai and, um, also on Facebook and you can find purple pot society on Instagram, on Facebook and at, uh, purple, the purple pot society, um, dot org. We're an org, um, where the orgs live, where the orgs live. I th <laughs> think that's it. Who are oh. you? Oh, me? Um, I'm only the the guy that likes to sit there and rant about taking cuttings. This is Evan Pardue. Um, over <laughs> yeah, and pool noodles and making weird analogies. Um, you can go check out my other content um that I've created with Underhill. I have a kind of interesting YouTube channel with some how-to videos. If you go to Underhill Bonsai on YouTube, we got some bald cypress uh things that I've done. Um probably would be known as the bald cypress guy at the moment. I didn't know you had a YouTube. I'm going to go watch your YouTubes and comment. Oh, oh just, just know they're very rudimentary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're from like, they're from the early days. Um, <laughs> and then, um, and then if you go over to underhillbonsai.com, uh, I've got some articles that I've wrote there that you can go check out. Um, Underhill Bonsai has a link. You go to uh, shop tiny trees and other things. Uh, you can go over to our underhillbonsaistore.com um, and you can go see the products that we offer. Our uh, Underhill is located in Folsom, Louisiana. We're catering the Southeast, Southeast Louisiana zone. Um, I do ship and I have plenty of stuff uh, that I'm, that I'm starting to list online that can be shipped out now. It's a little hot. So some of the bigger trees will be postponed till later. Uh, but you can go over to Underhill Bonsai on Instagram as well. Uh, go go see our Instagram, and then I have my personal page on Facebook. I post a lot of stuff about what I'm doing with my own trees and like a little bonsai adventures that I have. And then uh, Underhill has a uh, not Underhill. Wow, uh, little things for for bonsai people. The podcast has like its own Instagram as well, mm -hmm. so you can go over there and check that out. Uh, we've done some critiques, which we will come back to some of those critiques, uh, critiquing trees in in some later episodes. Oh yeah. Um, as, I have more opinions to share, so. Yeah, there's more trees to look at, and Nationals is coming up. Nationals! And we can post a few trees and talk about trees from Nationals. It's going to be fun. That's in September. That's going to be September... Um, uh, 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 9, 10, 11? 10, 11? Yep. Yep. Something like that's, that? That's right. Um, so September this year, it's going to be the 8th Nationals show. 
And mm -hmm. uh, I will be there for sure. And so we'll uh, we'll be posting some pictures there, um, doing some critique stuff. So you can go over to uh, Little Things for Boneside People on Instagram. We have down in the description tells you what episode we talked about some of these trees on and critiqued them. That's really fun. And for our listeners, of course, we've been uh, telling you guys, bring on the trees. We want to talk trees, progressions, critiques. We'll do that there. And then um, the Facebook group is is up. I don't, it's not necessarily the most active one right now, but we're getting to it. <laughs> and uh, and I'm working on T-shirts again. Yay. So, yay. We're going to do yay. some T-shirts again. I know I stopped mentioning it a little while ago because I was just like, this is really hard. <laughs> so, but uh, the, fun, the funding and the confidence is there. So I feel like I'm ready to move on to the next step again. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. So let's move on to our last segment. Um, and we'll revisit the, the, the cutting and starting with new material. Um, I want to, if anyone has questions, please email me at Evan at underhillboneside.com. Go over to our Patreon page, become, become a patron, leave a question in the comments about we, what we discussed. If you have anything about the cutting techniques, uh, Carmen, you could probably take questions somewhere. I don't know where you prefer. Eh. No, Just, no. <laughs> yeah, you can check, uh, you can send me uh, questions on, on Instagram or um, on the discord. Yep. And uh, we can revisit that, but let's talk about our bonsai word of the week. Um, I feel like some of our word of the weeks, we missed out on a few of them uh, last. We need, we need a little um, musical bonsai word of the week. Like we do thing. You yeah. know, Mike, uh, I don't know if a lot of people know this, yeah. but Mike made Mike the makes music opening and ending track of this show so ha have you give it a, it's a little um theme for bonsai word of the week oh i have to ask mike if he wants to do that, that would be tight that would be so tight mm -hmm. um i know he has so much free time <laughs> he does <laughs> especially with the way things are now uh so bonsai mm. word of the week uh yatsabusa 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 uh so i said this a little earlier before we started recording the show and Carmen, you were like, what is that? You... Yeah. <laughs> so you don't, you don't have a lot uh, going as far as what that, what that is. No. Okay. Yasabusa <laughs> translates roughly to a small cluster of three rivers. That's what it means. Okay. I know. Right. It, of course. Yeah. What? Well, of course that. it means that. I mean, Duh, who doesn't I, know that? Jeez. It directly relates to bonsai. I mean, that's yeah. so obvious. But no, um, Yasabusa is is a. Uh, it's used in some cultivars of certain species, and the most popular one for Yasabusa is going to be the Mikawa Yasabusa, which is the Mikawa Yasabusa Japanese maple. Um, and that maple is amazing. If you guys have not seen it. Uh, it is the dwarf Japanese maple. It is very, very commonly used for bonsai, especially for Japanese maple enthusiasts. Um, it's kind of like the, I'm not going to say it's the end-all, be-all variety or cultivar. Uh, if you guys want to go back and refer back to Sergio Kwan, when I talked to Sergio, that was episode 29, uh, where he went into talking about uh, Japanese maples and the process and development, and uh, and he listed that as one of his favorite cultivars. It's a great species. They do this thing where their leaves are very close together and they stack on top of each other. Um, it looks like someone took like cut a bunch of Japanese maple leaves and then like literally stacked them like on top of each other 
and then it's like on the tree it's really hard to describe like it's such a dense growth habit Mm -hmm. um but it's beautiful because of the way that the leaves are they have the really nice finger narrow finger uh like formation to their leaf very very nice serration to them very beautiful shape um and then the petiole is like nice and short like it, it's not like a uh, acer rubrum like a uh, native red maple that mm-hmm. grows in the states mm-hmm. where just the petiole could be like five inches long um whereas the the yasabusa the mikaya yasabusa uh mikawa but yasabusa sorry uh the 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 petiole is super short so you get an even higher density look to it and then they come in different colors. You can get like a pink edge or a red edged or a orange, um, like spring, like when they come out, they're very beautiful in that aspect. Um, but it's a dwarf maple, so it's very challenging to get bigger trees out of them. And it's challenging to get a nice bigger bonsai out of them because of how slow they grow. It's not, they don't necessarily grow slow as in like, it's like it grows just a tiny bit, but the amount it, that it grows, it'll grow, it'll grow a certain length with like a, like a hundred internodes on one one little like, like half inch to an like an inch long branch, and that's it. Jeez. So they'll they'll stay super short, and you'll get internodes like crazy. Um, it's good. It's it's a really good quality. But then the other Yasabusa is the Yasabusa Chinese elm. Are you familiar with those, Carmen? I am not. Oh, wow. So is that like the maple where they're like stacked? It is not. It is okay. entirely a different uh, type so of what is what Yatsabusa? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yatsabusa. Yatsabusa. What is there a similarity between like, why are they both named that? Is it like a specific region or was it a person that made them or? Well, based off know? of the... Um, Based off of the the name, it just kind of like roughly translating to the 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 close three little rivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I think that's just in reference to to like dwarf qualities of certain varieties of mm. plants. That's mm-hmm. what I'm kind of getting. It's okay. kind of like it's kind of like describing like why is a Satsuki called a Satsuki? Mm-hmm. Um, and Satsuki, we had that one earlier on um yeah. i believe and that translates to fifth month yeah which they don't is when they're supposed to bloom they kind of bloom in the sixth month here so yeah and that sometimes it sometimes it makes sense sometimes it doesn't you know right. <laughs> so uh but yeah yatsabusa elm is a different variety of chinese elm it is a dwarf is a more dwarf elm but it can it is a it's a variance of the lace bark chinese elm uh, it can grow big, but it has unique qualities to it that that it's it's very hard to describe unless you see the leaf, the leaves on them. You can go Google them. Um, go oh, yeah. Google it. You know, go Google it. My, you know, my generation. Just Google it. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the leaf on a Yatsabusa elm is much narrower. It's not like a regular Chinese elm where they have a really la- like a really round leaf to the point where it's mm-hmm. so round sometimes there's a- there's like almost no point on the end. Mm-hmm. The Yatsabusa is is narrow oh, and, it's, mm-hmm. and it's got a very strong point. Yeah. It's actually a, cool. a very beautiful dark, very dark bluish green leaf. Mm-hmm. I like um, it. Yeah. And when they get older, when they get bigger and they get older, 
they're called they're also called the the cork bark yatsabusa elm uh, because they get a really really dense corky bark that's like a pine tree and it's mm. awesome so if you look up like old yatsabusa cork bark you they they're just incredible um and they're highly valuable especially when they get those big chunky plates of bark on them uh, it's very hard to get them to do that and it's very hard to keep them in good quality bonsai because when we're watering a lot that water if, if it's that water you know you know what that, that water does uh, that water let <laughs> me tell you let me tell you what um no the the soil just that humidity at that soil line could cause your really precious bark to rot and fall mm -hmm. off so mm -hmm. it's a it's a really big challenge to keep the the trunks of those trees nice and established and keep the bark really good I've had less issues with like Japanese black pine in my range than I've mm -hmm. had with Yatsubusa cork bark elms. It's just because of how flaky and how how delicate that bark can, can become. Yeah. It's a really awesome species, though. I highly recommend yeah. it. That's cool. Um, and I have some at the nursery if anyone's interested. I mean, if anybody wants some cuttings for if anybody wants some Yatsubusa elms, he yeah. ships. Yeah, I ship. But this is not an advertisement for the nursery. Don't think that. I'm sure. Not, not pushing that agenda. Um, I'm just saying, um, <laughs> I do have over at the nursery, I do have a lot of elm variety. I think I mentioned this in the past. I've got like, I've got the Chinese elm spectrum. I've got like the Yasabusa. I've got this, the Seiju. I've got the Hokkaido. I've got the regular, just your regular run of the mill Chinese elm. And then I've got the winged elms and the cedar elms and, um, and water elm, which are all natives here. And then um zelkova i've got the japanese gray bark elm and yeah so we got a lot of elms here but it's oh, also elms. in our range yeah elms are awesome don't ever don't ever take an elm bonsai for granted some people see them as like the rudimentary beginner's tree sometimes but there's so much more that can be made with those so yeah yatsubusa now we all know yatsubusa yeah now i know i had no idea yeah that's why we do this and it's like the episode like a little while back where uh where we had like Jennifer on and oh yeah I can't remember what the word was but she was like oh wow I'm learning right now <laughs> yeah it was like it was the word for that for the hole in the tree oh it was an arrow yes right she was yeah. like she was yeah, like yeah. oh sweet <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that it's these it's little things it's the little things yep and uh speaking of which that uh that that's that's us for this week um and I think next week we're trying to line up another guest but also we could do some more critiques i think doing more critiques would be fun yeah for so, sure so uh so blink once if you want critiques blink blink twice if you want a guest artist um <laughs> <laughs> so trust me I, I i i hear you listeners so anyway um we will be hanging out with you guys later and uh hopefully we'll have like a like a little mike lane track for the bonsai word of the week next time to be a lot of fun or maybe i get it for this one and i'm just saying it, it doesn't make any sense uh once you guys hear this but yeah thanks for hanging out with us bonsai best buds and bonsai buds alike we will see you on the next one bye